Good evening and welcome to midweek service. We are glad that you joined us online. We are not in person here today. It's just very warm in here and uh, we can monopolize the fan because there's no one else in here. So we get a little relief, but uh, thank you for joining us online. I pray all is well with you. We're glad that you joined us this evening. Let's just go before the Lord and give him thanks for what he's going to do tonight. Father, we just thank you and we praise you. We love and adore you. I thank you for your wisdom and understanding. We thank you, Father God, that there is no distance or time in the Spirit, and that together we are one in the Spirit and one in the Lord. And so we thank you for your anointing, we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who is in us, who teaches us all things. Holy Spirit, you are welcome tonight, and we ask that you would teach us, and, and so we get a greater understanding, a deeper, deeper level of expectation and understanding about God's plan for our financial freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Do you agree with that? Glory to God. Well, as you come on, the only way we know that you are joining us is if you type something in comments. So please do that. Type something in comments. Say hello. Greet your brothers and sisters who are watching with you. You know, let's keep it very interactive tonight. I know we don't want to distract from what the word, what the words that's going to go forth is, is saying, but at the same time, I think you can type and listen. Amen. And so if, if something uh, that you hear just uh, speaks to you, type it in comments so we can grab hold of it with you. And don't be afraid to say amen or, you know, that's good or ouch, that hurts, whatever, whatever it is. And we're just going to encourage each other. Now, we've been talking about on Wednesdays, last Wednesday we started uh, because for a few Wednesdays we watched some videos and uh, we uh, watched a few videos on uh, financial uh, revolution uh, by Gary Cassie, Pastor Gary Cassie, and then he was here with us. And then we had our meetings. Last week, we talked about the steps uh, to be in that 86%. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to watch number six of the DVD set that we got from Pastor Gary. Now, number six is one that uh, it's the very last one, and it just kind of ties it all together. So number five, actually, Pastor Gary did number five when he was here. Uh, I was watching it today. I'm like, oh, yes, the, the five steps are in number five. So he did that one. We are going to watch number six, okay? And so we'll watch that together, and then uh, we'll, I'll come back on at the end, and we can uh, maybe do a little bit of talking. It is 43 minutes long. So grab your Bible or your tablet, get something to take notes, and let's hear the word of God together. Amen? Amen. This is your financial revolution. Here's Gary Cassie and the power of the measure. So now we're coming down to the point I'm ready to enact this process. I'm ready to enact the process. How do I begin? Luke chapter 12. Let's look at that. So we've covered quite a bit. You say, hey, I, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to start this process. Luke chapter 12 says this, verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock. Why would he say that? Because he's about to tell you something that is totally counter to the earth crew system. And your first response, your first intuition to his instruction is going to be, You've got to be kidding. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now you know why he said, don't be afraid. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because the earth curse system, its whole system is built upon hoarding and, you know, confidence in money. 
And he's saying, don't be afraid. I'm, I'm going to tell you the key. But hang on. Okay, I'll, hang with me for a minute. All right, so sell your possessions. Is it, does God not want you to have possessions? Yes or no? What scripture are you standing on? <laughs> well, he just said in Matthew, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things the unbeliever run after is yours will be added to you. He's not against you having things. He is against things having you, however. He wants to train you to depend on him. Like the manna evaporated at noon every day because he was training them not to hoard manna. Manna wasn't their answer. He's their answer. So God is going to train you. He has to, you have to pass the money test. I tell my church all the time. You've got to pass the money test. So he's saying, sell your possessions and give. You're going to jumpstart this process. You have to change allegiance. Give. Okay, you're going to give. And by doing so, you're going to provide for yourself a purse. Provide purses for yourself. What's your purse? Now, men have wallets. Ladies have purses. What is its function? I know for some of you it's a lot. But for men it's much simpler. We don't carry everything in ours. It's an access point to our estate. I can have... A million dollars in my checking account, if I don't have my wallet, although I legally own it, I have no access point, right? Just say yes, okay. Make sure you're still doing well. Okay, so you provide purses for yourself when you give. What hap you now know what happens when you give. What happens? It changes governments, comes under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of heaven, gives heaven jurisdiction to do things in your life. It provides an access point for the kingdom. When you give, you provide a purse for yourself, a place to reach in and have what you have need of, to grab what you need of. Your purse is your access point. I grab my wallet out, I pay for something, right? Okay. So your confidence now is not in what you have as much as it is the kingdom. He's training your access point, your purse now is the kingdom. And as you sow, as you begin to give, it is your access point to the kingdom. So you're providing a purse for yourself, as the Bible says, it does not wear out. Moth does not destroy it. It's an access point that is yours to utilize that man can't touch. Okay, so he says, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven, a treasure in the kingdom of heaven that will not be exhausted where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. So you have, you're providing, you give into the kingdom of God, it changes governments, you now provide a purse for yourself that your access, is, your access point is the kingdom of God. You follow that? You're changing allegiance, just like we prayed last session. You're changing allegiance from what you have. Don't be afraid. Give. When you give, you are establishing a purse for yourself in heaven, a legality to make a draw on heaven. You with me so far? Okay. So that's important. It's for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So essentially, I said this last session, the system that you trust in is where your heart's going to be. You can say, I love God. But when it comes down, as Jesus said in Matthew 6, you can't serve two masters. You're going to serve the one that meets your needs. Pretty, doesn't matter if you dance in church, doesn't matter, if, you know, whatever. When it comes down, rubber meets the road, you are going to serve, serve for the master that meets your needs. God wants to train you. He's training us. We have to pass the money test. Can he trust us with money? Can he trust you with money? He wants you to know, he, he's got to teach you that money is not your source. He is. He can give, he'll give you money. That's not the problem. But he is life. He's your source. Okay. So give where your treasure is. Giving throws your confidence on God. Giving. And, you know, you give, it's like, uh, I don't want to let go of that. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's just like your heart's got, it touches your heart, doesn't it? It's like, mm, you know, you're not quite confident yet, are you? Right? Follow me? It's like, yeah. Mm. If you were confident, you go, yeah, baby, wham. Yeah, that's yeah, mine. All right? Because, you know, hey, the Bible says God's my source, and that's okay. But when you're not, you know, we all have to pass the money test, and it, it just changes. The zeros change. You're a $5 person, then you become a $50 person, a $500 person. You, you, you have to pass the test. It just changes numbers. 
It's all the same process. There's always a choke point with money. How much can you handle? Where you choke? Five bucks, no problem. 50, no problem. 500, no problem. 50, uh, yeah. You know what? That's all you can handle. That's your choke point. You haven't passed that test. God can't get it to you yet. So you're going to be, this is going to happen over and over in your life. Uh, giving is vital to your spiritual health, and it gives you a purse, an access point to put your confidence in and trust what God said about giving that he meets your need. Okay? Now, the power of a measure, this is important. How much do I give? How does this thing work? How do I start? I told you when God began to teach me, take a check out, write down for your dear, sew it, speak over it, release it. We went through all that. But how much? Where at? Good questions. So Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. God has no money, by the way. All the money you need is in the earth realm. Stop looking for it. They don't give it away. <laughs> I crossed the line. <laughs> Create it. A poverty mindset looks for it. An entrepreneurial mindset creates it or captures it. And if you have the God of creating, creative ability in you, then you can create your future. You can create wealth, okay? And with the same measure you give, it shall be given to you. With the same measure you give, it shall be given to you. With the same measure you give, it shall be measured back to you. What's the measure? Luke, uh, Peter, James, and John, Luke chapter 5. Peter obeyed Jesus, went out. Fished all night, caught nothing, went out, caught a bunch of fish. His boat was about to sink. He called his partners who were on the bank to come out and help him, and their boat about sank. Right? How much faith did they exercise? James and John, how much faith did they exercise? But their boat about sank. Why? They exercised no faith. Partnership. They were in legal partnership. That's right. And so they, the partnership, if they had a thousand boats, if Peter and those guys had a thousand boats, how many boats would have been filled to the top? What was the measure? What's under your jurisdiction? What's the measure? The measure you give is what God can fill. People say, well, the hundredfold return is a hundred times, you know, when you get, no, it's not it. The hundredfold return is the much as you can hold. Hundredfold return for Peter, James, and John was two boats that they had legally under the dominion. They brought under the kingdom of God's jurisdiction. Those, both those boats about sank with fish. That's the hundredfold return. That's the measure. They gave the business. The business captured what it could hold. The same measure you give is the same measure that can catch what can it hold. What can your, what can your business hold? Oh, it can catch an endless. I don't think so. How many employees you have? Well, you know, if you're having trouble getting out of bed and you're the only employee, you can't hold too much. I know that just crossed a couple lines there. <laughs> Are you with me? Okay. So detour real quick. Business guys call me all the time and say, okay, I'm sewing, and so I'm expecting my business to grow. You have to have this mindset. Your business is already functioning at its level of capacity right now. You understand what I'm saying? How does God get involved with your business? He doesn't make people come to it. He changes the bait. He changes the ideas, the products, the marketing concepts. He makes it more helpful. He redesigns it. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? See, people, if you're in a business and it's producing at a certain level and it's done that for a couple years, you're maxed. It's not going to change until you change. Until the business changes. So when you sow and ask God to bless your business, what is he going to give you but ideas, creative ideas, concepts to change the business, to make it more profitable, to make it more relevant, to make it relevant to the culture. He's going to change it. Okay, so the boats, the measure was the business. All right, so 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, we read that earlier. We'll take a look at it again real quick. The lady, remember, she had two sons. They were going to pay off the debt. The husband died. And she went to Elisha and said, what do I do? And he said, what? 
what's in your house. He had to find something under her jurisdiction that God could multiply. She said, I don't have anything here at all but a little bit of oil. That's all she needs. Just whatever can God multiply. Go gather some pots, not a few. And she went out and did so, and she took them in the house. She began to pour from the one that had some in it, and it filled all the pots, right? Filled all the pots, and then we find a very, very enlightening concept in second, find it, four. And we'll look at verse three. She left him, afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full... She said to her son, bring me another one. He said, there's not another one. Then, say the word then, then the oil stopped. What would have happened if she would have had two billion pots? We'd be reading about her today as the wealthiest woman that had ever lived on the face of the earth. So what was her measure? Her measure were the number of pots. It was already set. Her measure was set, and even though she wanted more than that, it could not happen more than that because she set the measure. All right? She set the measure. And so many of us set the measure. We set the measure different levels, different times. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. You're setting the measure. Uh, So... Here's what happens. We're sitting in here and we go, you know what? God's so awesome. The kingdom is so awesome. Pastor Gary's talking about all things are possible with the kingdom. You know what? Let's believe God to pay this house off this year. Let's, let's, let's believe God to pay this $400,000. I had a, a family in the church do that. They paid two houses off in about eight months. They said, we're tired of this. They paid it off. Now, I won't tell you the whole story, but it was an interesting ride. But the bottom line is you're sitting here, you know, let's just pay this thing off. Fantastic. Let's do it. What's the first thing when you pray the prayer of faith, God is going to do? Give you a plan, okay? And the first thing, part of that plan is going to be, if you just say, okay, I'm going to believe God to pay this off, he's going to have you set the measure. Because there's a correlation of what God can do with the measure you give is the same measure he can give back. So if you are believing for a $400,000 house to be paid off, he's going to help you set the measure. The measure is not set solely by the amount of money. Remember the widow in the, in the temple gave two pennies and gave all she had and gave more than all the rich guys. It's a combination of the faith that you release, the faith you release tied. In other words, if, you're, if you have billions of dollars and you give $100, that's excess. It doesn't take any faith, does it? There's no faith involved. You don't have to do But if you're believing God to pay a $400,000 house off and you don't have the capacity to do that this year, it's going to take faith. So God is going to help you set the measure. You're going to sow something to release the kingdom of God into this situation. And you don't know how much to sow. How much do I sow? I get, how much do I sow, Pastor Gary? I get emails, how much do I sow? I don't know. Let God set the measure. So what happens is, you're in a meeting or you're someplace and God speaks to you. You say, we're believing to pay this house off for 400000 And God says, give 20000 And you go, get behind me, devil. <laughs> it's like if you're a farmer, you say, you know, we, we really want 50 truckloads of soybeans this year. We have about a half acre plot. <laughs> and so you go ask a farmer. That does it for a living. You know, we want to raise, uh, we want 50 truckloads. How much? Okay, he'll tell you how much you have to sow. There's a formula, right, for sowing beans. He can tell you. Well, we don't know how much to sow. What's the measure? God has to help us. If you're serious about paying that house off or paying something off, you're going to sow with that faith, and you're going to follow the instructions of the Holy Spirit. I've done it many times, and I've cried about it many times. Oh, God, please. Really, that much? Really? The flesh is goofy. The flesh is, it's fickle. It wants to whine and carry on until the harvest comes in and it pats itself on the back how great it was. You know, you did such a great job. Really? You were the one balking and carrying on about there not doing it. The flesh, don't pay attention to the flesh. Follow the word. Your flesh will line up when the harvest comes in. It'll get in line. Don't worry about it. I mean, you know, we've, we've done it many times. And God comes through. So how much do I give? 1 Kings chapter 17, there's a story of a lady there that she was at her last, last place of, she needed help. 
she was out. There was a drought going on. And the prophet Elijah was in the drought, three, three and a half year drought. His brook dried up, and the Holy Spirit says, okay, I want you to go over to this Zarephath area. There's a widow there I've commanded to take care of you now. So he, you might think he's probably coming along thinking this woman has a whole storehouse of stuff. He gets there and sees her, and she's out collecting sticks because she says, I have enough for one meal, then we're dying. That's it. And what does he say? He says this to her. He says, give me a, a glass of water. There's a drought going on, right? I mean, this is it. Give me a glass of water, and if you could, uh, bring me a piece of bread. She says, as surely as the Lord God lives, she says, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar, a little bit of oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for my, myself and my son, and uh, that's it. We're out. Elijah said to her, what? What? Look at it. Where did we just hear that at? In Luke chapter 12, when God was about to give them their answer, which was giving, which is totally foreign to the earth curse system. He says, don't be afraid. I'm about to tell you your answer. You're going to freak out, maybe. Don't, don't freak out. Hold on. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make me a cake of bread for me from what you have, what's under your dominion. Follow this whole principle. It has to be from what you have. And bring it to me. And then make something for yourself. What's happening here? When I first read this scripture, I thought this guy's nuts. Here's this widow that's about to die, and he says, make me a cake first. Hey, make me a cake first. Is that how he did it? No. Why did he say that? This is life and death. This is not Sunday morning giving. This is life and death situation. Why did he say, give it to me first? You know, we went through it today. What happens? Come on. It changes governments, changes kingdoms, which is her answer if she will give it to him first, it changes governments. If she holds it to herself, she dies. So he get, she gives it to him first, and it multiplies, right? It does not run out. She went away and did as Elijah said. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. This is a vital story. There was food every day for Elijah, God's assignments, God's purpose. Here's the, here's the catch. Why are people afraid to give? Because that's all I've got. What did the Bible say? She gave first to God's assignment before she made her own. She made it first for God's assignment. Took care of God's assignment. And the Bible says there was bread and oil for her, for, for Elijah, the assignment, God's assignment, and for her family the whole time. See, the lie of the devil is, this is all you have. The earth curse system says, I can't afford to do this. If she would have said that, she would be dead. When she gave first to the kingdom of God, honoring God, it changed governments. It gave God the legality to produce to her what she had need of. And then it says, God's assignment was fully taken care of. And then she was fully taken care of. Yes? What was the measure? What was the measure in her case? In her case, it was everything. In her case, it wasn't a budget issue. You have to understand, you've got to follow God in these things. It's difficult for the flesh, but if God speaks to you, you go with it, if it makes sense. You know, if it, you know there's some wisdom. You know, if you got rent due tomorrow, I mean, if God says to do it, fine. But, I mean, you know, there's some balance to this thing. I got my rent due tomorrow, I'm going to give it all away today. Well, if God said so, yeah, it's fine. But the bottom line is follow the Holy Spirit. He's going to set the measure. Because not because he's trying to hurt you, it's because he's trying to help. You said you want to pay your house off. He's setting the measure. With the same measure you give, he gives back to you. The measure for her was everything, and it saved everything. The same measure she gave, she gave it all, and she got it all. She survived the famine. There's an interesting scripture in Luke chapter 4 about her that's, I think, pretty cool. So let's turn there. We find Jesus in that uh, scripture talking about her. Luke chapter 4. I tell you the truth, this is verse 24. He's talking to the, the, the Israelites there. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time 
when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not, please underline this word, he was not what? Sent to any of them but to a widow outside of Israel. That made him mad. They wanted to stone him after he said that. What is that saying? In all of Israel, all of God's people, God could not find one person in a famine who would give out of what they had except this woman who was not even part of the nation of Israel. But here's the key. A prophet carries the word of God. Catch what happens. God found a heart, someone that he could trust to send the prophet to. See, here's the key. When you say yes to God, I want to support the vision, the God's assignments in the earth realm, the assignment's taken care of, and you're taken care of. But here's even the greater thing. The ideas, the word of God, the prophetic voice, the insight is sent to those who have a heart to give to the kingdom. Elijah was sent to her. He was sent to her. He was sent to her. He was sent. The ideas, the creative business ideas, the concepts you've been looking for are sent to those who have a heart for the kingdom. If God can trust you with money, if he can trust you with wealth, he will send you ideas for wealth. Understand that. With the same measure you give is the same measure you can receive from. A guy in my office years ago was building a house. And he was short. You know, it went over. You know, you build houses, it always goes over budget, right? So it went over. And uh, he was stuck. He was paying cash. You know, he was over the mortgage amount that he'd had borrowed. He was doing things with cash. And he was now stuck. He had, you know, some bills to pay. And uh, he had 20-some thousand dollars he owed on some cabinets in the house he didn't have. And the builder was asking him about the cabinets. So he's telling me the story that he went to a conference. And so he got up. Uh, they're taking an offering. And he went down front. His wife told me the story, actually. He went down front. And he, he sewed. He came back. She said he wasn't happy. She said he came back. He sat down. He kind of huffed and puffed. He kind of squirmed around. I could tell he wasn't at peace. So with another grunt, she said he kind of got up, went back down again. This time he came back, he was sweating. He was really uncomfortable. She said, I noticed he was really uncomfortable. He was really squirming and kind of caring. He's sweating. He's just not comfortable at all. Finally, he just kind of with a huff, he stood up, went back down again, and he came back, and he was at peace and happy. (laughs) So she asked him what was going on. He said, oh, I was sewing for those cabinets. What would happen was God gave him the measure, and he was fighting it. I just couldn't give that much. I just, you know, God says, no, this is the measure. And amazingly, the builder, that's 20-some thousand, he waived it. Waived it. If he had not have sown, when God said so, so, he would not have that. You follow me? Drenda and I, we pledged, we gave gave 200,000 to this project, the Now Center, a few years back when we first started building it. (laughs) The day we did that... (laughs) I want to give 150. I said, I'll give 150. You know, that's what I was thinking. We got here in church, and we're wrestling. She said, oh, no, you know, my wife, she'll, she spurs me on. Now, Gary, come on now. You know, we got to get got an agreement here. And so one of, the, one of the farmers in the church got up, and he was talking about, you know, how farming works, and he's sowing and different things. And Drenda, how much do you pay for your seed every year? He said, $200,000 just for my seed. She goes, what do you think, Gary? <laughs> uh, don't, okay, yeah, I knew she was right. All right, we're going to sow two. I mean, I had tears, not of joy that day. It's like, oh, Jesus, 200,000. I mean, I'm, can I be honest with you? It's like, 200,000. I mean, I mean, you know how long it takes to save 200? I mean, come on. God. You ever had those arguments? Come on. It's like, is God trying to hurt me? It's my choice. So we, we did that. And I've had, had this contract with my, one of my vendors for a long time, and they had a bonus program, and it would pay extra money, and every time I talked to them, they said, you don't qualify. Your company, your company model doesn't qualify for this bonus. I talked to the vice president personally, no. The next year, uh, I, talked to the se- I talked to the secretary again. I talked to her, and she says, secretary called me back this time. She already told you last year you don't qualify. Okay, forgive me for asking. All right. So when we sowed this 200000 praying in the Spirit, the Lord said, Go back to them about that bonus. Really? All right. So I emailed them. I thought, well, you know, they're kind of nippy. Last time I'll just email them, you know. So I emailed her. 
And about a week later, I get this email. We have considered your request, and we have decided to give you the bonus after all. And the bonus was 200000 But here's the key. The contractual change that gave the 200000 is still in effect today. I think it paid me probably, probably, I don't know how many thousands of dollars it pays me a month, that contractual change. So the Now Center's going down the road. We're deciding, okay, we got more to do, TV work to do, things like, okay, well, it's time to sow again. I've been around this tree once. I want to go to another level, okay? Listen to what I'm saying. I want to go to another level. I want to be the guy that can write a million-dollar check out. i got to go, I have, God has, I've got to change my mind. I've got to train myself to think different about money. I've got to go to another level. So we talked about it. We're going to sow a half million dollars. We didn't have all of it at the time. We were going to sow a half million dollars. And, you know, in 45 days, contractual changes we didn't bring up took place and changes in various different avenues of income. And because of the contractual changes over the next three years, we would be paid $630,000 more for doing exactly the same thing. Add it up, half a million dollars out of that. And that contract is still in effect today as well. So every three years, I get $630,000 more than I would have had three years ago. Not that it compounds, I'm just saying that same 630,000 contract is still producing, what's that, 200 some thousand dollars more a year, every year. You follow me? Whose choice was that? My choice. So what's the motto of the story? It's your choice. But if God can trust you with money, if he can trust you with, he passed the money test, he is going to send the word of God to you. He's going to send ideas to you. He's going to, because God is in the people business. It takes money. He's looking across the earth. Who can he find that will trust him with money? Who can he find he can give the idea to, the, the concept to, the new invention to? Who can he find that will not worship it, not idolize it, not consume all of it, but will say, hey, it's all about your kingdom. And in the process, we get to eat our bread and have the good things of life. But the bottom line is, it's your choice. So here's what we're going to do. Tomorrow night, um, I have a video I'm going to show you right now. And it's Sarah's story right here. Is it ready to go? Do we have it ready? Okay, we're going to watch this. And let me tell you what's going to happen after we watch this. This is Sarah. She's doing workshops. And she came here how many years ago? Three, four, five, six years ago? Yeah, 2007 when we met. And she got a hold of the financial revolution. And this is what happened. Let's watch Sarah's story. We ran out of money and we realized that one day when we went to the coffee shop uh, to buy you know breakfast on the way to church and we realized we got three bucks to our name. Roger got a coffee I think I shared some orange juice and a muffin with the other kids so it was just enough really to get us through and I remember looking at Roger as he's in the driver's seat and saying what is this life? There was something more there was something missing. I realized at that point I didn't want to do this anymore. There's no point in living with a God that's supposed to be so abundant and so plentiful and just having that lack. I'm like, why are, we, why are we doing without? I don't understand. And if this is the God that people are serving, I don't want it. I made up my mind. I was not going to live a life that was poverty oriented. I didn't want it. And I figured if I'm going to teach something to my children, it would be that the God that I serve has an abundance. And wherever it is, however I've got to find it, I need it. And I need it now because tomorrow's too late. So we had the baby and a couple of weeks later I remember coming home um, from church and Roger wasn't with me because at that point when he said he had enough, he had enough. I was done. There was, there was no point in going. I just wanted to find out what I could do. Is there something I could tangibly do to make a real change? I just got to the point where I was going for the wrong reasons. The problem was is that I wasn't connected on the inside and so became religion. It's just, it's what you do Sunday morning, it's what you do Sunday night, but it wasn't real. There was nothing about it that could give me the excitement about being alive for, for God. I couldn't, I wasn't experiencing anything anymore. It was just dried right up. So when Sarah would take the kids to church, I would sit home. I wouldn't just sit there and procrastinate on it. I was asking for answers. 
And that night I, uh, I saw Pastor Gary on a television show. For some reason I decided to stay and listen because I liked his, I liked his story. And the story he was talking about hunting for deer and assigning basically a seed to catch his deer. And I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting take. I haven't heard anyone hunting for deer with a check before. This is kind of cool. Um, so I listened and I listened, but he was, he was also telling about his story, about what had happened and, and, you know, in brief. And for me, I could relate to it because you get to the point where I was, which sounded like where he was, where it's like, nothing's working. I need to figure out how to make this, this law, this kingdom law work, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is, but whatever it is, I've got to find out what it is and I've got to be able to apply it because if I can't apply it, this isn't real. I re he remember Roger telling me about Pastor Gary and then we went and looked him up on the internet and found out he had his financial revolution set, which was, I think it was $30 or $35. And I remember looking at Roger going, well, it's all cool, but we can't afford that $35. And he's like, well, then we're gonna save for it. So we ended up saving for the CD. We ordered the CDs from the States. So we listened to his CDs. And when I say we listened, we completely listened. It wasn't like, oh, CD one's over, let's go to CD two. We left CD one in probably for six weeks. We listened to it morning, noon, and night. We listened to it while we slept. So even while we were sleeping, we were uh, changing our mindset because that's what we, only thing we knew that we've tried everything else. It's gotta be our way of thinking. It's gotta be what's happening up in here. From after listening to the CDs, we decided, well, let's try this for our vacuum. We needed a vacuum because here we are in this house. My husband is the vacuum cleaner guy. He likes to vacuum clean. And he decided, you know what, we need a vacuum. And the poor guy, he was pushing the shop vac. That's how he vacuumed, was at the shop vac. Let's get a vacuum. And I'm like, we can't afford a vacuum. And so we put a, we sowed a seed for $5. In Jesus' name, we receive our vacuum. We put it in the mailbox. And I was like, okay. Now what? Now what do we do? What do we, what, now what do you do? So we're like walking around as if we already had our vacuum. Yep, our vacuum's coming, our vacuum's coming. It was days, like really short period of time, and we got a phone call from Sarah's mom, and she says, listen, I've, uh, I've hired a cleaning company to clean the house, and I just wonder if you guys need a vacuum. And we're both, the jaws are dropping at this point, because it's the first thing I'd seen where we called something out, and it actually worked. I don't even think they cashed the check yet. Like it was just in the mailbox. It wasn't even, it just went in the mail. So at that point, that's when Roger and I said, well, if it works for a vacuum, could it work in business? If we were gonna make something happen in our lives, we were probably gonna have to do it on the same basis. Let's sow some seed and let's see if we can get something happening because it's the only thing I've ever done that really seems to work. And uh, that's when we decided that we would, we would test the waters. Uh, we'd go on our own little faith hunt and we would um, try and uh, land us some new clients. Because it didn't matter if we advertised, it didn't matter referral based. It, it, we tried everything to get new clients in the door and it wasn't working. And that's when we decided to sew a $50 check for five new clients that came in within probably five to 10 business days. So then we said, well, why don't we try 10 new clients? We did a check for $100 and the same thing, 10 new clients showed up. So the one thing I do hear Pastor Gary talk about a lot is fragments and how we miss small fragments out there that can really bring prosperity to our lives. So what I did is I took my career and I looked at my education and my uh, qualifications and I went and looked onto a national bookkeeping uh, website to see what I should be charging. What I realized was I was only charging a third of what I should have been charging. And at that moment, I realized I was undervaluing myself and I was keeping my family away from prosperity because I had a poverty mindset until I saw it in smack dab in front of me when it was like God brought me this website and said, here's what you should be charging. So I tripled my rate. And that's kind of where everything started to snowball when I realized I am worth it. So the whole transition as, as a whole process over the last you know eight years has been to really basically search the self and decide what am I am I afraid of things certain things happening can I change the way I feel about things and make 
the things that I want come to pass because if I trust God is there and within me, then when I said it and I believed it's true, he's already heard it. So the prayer is answered the moment I ask for it. I might not be sure of the timing of it, but I know that it's gonna happen. We lived in the same house just around the corner from here for about seven or eight years. And uh, my girlfriend just moved back from being out west. And when I saw her home, I looked at my husband and went, we could totally do this. And he's like, yeah, and I'm like, why don't we move? So we have a long list of everything we wanted. We called up my agent and said, let's seriously go look at some houses in this area. And um, she actually, there was two houses on this court that we're on now. Um, the one we've purchased and another one. So we came and looked at this house a couple times and um, we knew this is where we were supposed to be. And that was in the spring. So we put in our offer, I wrote out a check. Now mind you, I didn't have all that money in my bank account, but I wrote out a check payable to the uh, real estate office that held this house. And I put it on my vision board with the listing. And again, my agent's like, you're, there's no way. There's no way, Sarah, you're gonna get the house for that price. And I'm like, well, I'm thinking, I got a vacuum cleaner, I got clients, we got this, we got that. Like, why not? Like, I know it's huge compared to a vacuum cleaner, right? We're talking huge difference, but why not? So we posted it on there. And then we put our house up for sale. And while we were doing that, the mortgage rep called, both of you are self-employed. I've checked with 24 lenders and they all said no. And I went, what? I said a little more than what. I was a basket case and I remember calling Roger and he was at the home store, like the reno store. I called him and I said, we can't get approved. And he's like, what do you mean you can't get approved? I said, I don't know, we're self-employed. They won't approve us. I don't know what we're gonna do. And he said, you know what? We're finishing this house and he hung up on me. So I don't know how many husbands out there hang up on their wives when they're babbling basket cases on the phone, but my husband did that and it's probably the best thing he ever did. And we talked to my agent. She said, listen, just go talk to this guy I know at this bank. And I said, okay. The neat thing is that, and I think this is an ordained hookup, uh, the gentleman that helped us get approved was an entrepreneur. So he did um, financing on the side of being an entrepreneur. So he knew exactly what to do. So we got our approval. And then we uh, put in our final offer. They accepted, but not at the price that I wanted. It was much higher. Um, and I was like, well, I want the house, so I guess, I guess we'll pay that. In faith, we're gonna do this. So after putting a conditional offer on this house, we sat for four months and it didn't sell. And the uh, sellers of, the, of our dream home said, well, we're not gonna renew your offer because we wanna sell and we think that your purchase offer is preventing people from buying. Okay, and so I looked at Roger and said, well, what do we do? He goes, we're selling our house. And we would drive up and park in the driveway as if we were coming home. I didn't own the house. I didn't even have an offer on the house anymore. Um, and the one time, the the seller pulled in while I was sitting in her driveway. So that was very interesting in itself. Um, but we act as if we already had this house. And so here we are, no more conditional offer. Our house is still for sale. You do have the doubt going through your head like what if? And as soon as I heard the what if, I'd cut it off. I just bind that thought because that's not faith. And when our offer came off, they lowered the price to the price that my check was made out for. So now I was really excited because now I could get it for what my check was made out for. So now I'm all like, okay, now we've got to move. Like this, it's time. So it was at a point where I met a interior designer and she came in and uh, staged the home within our budget. Within 10 days, we got an offer, but it was quite low. So within about another week or so, we had another offer come in. We accepted that offer, but again, conditional on the sale of their house. So we accepted it and then we jumped back at this house, our, our dream home, and said everything's a go, we've already done the financing, we've done everything, we just have to wait for these other people to sell their house. But my agent said, you're not paying list price. And I looked at her and said, you didn't even think we'd get the house for this price to begin with. She goes, yeah, but now that we're here, like eight months later, you're not paying that price. So we actually got the house lower than what I originally wrote on the check. So that was a blessing in itself. Then it all kind of whirlwind happened so quickly. Uh, we got another offer and it was a firm offer. So then the other people had to firm up. So then we firmed up and it became like this domino effect. 
And before I knew it, we were packing and within a couple of weeks, we moved into our dream home that we are now sitting in. We went from like 2,800 square feet to about 7,500 square feet. The boys all have their own rooms, they all have their private area. Even on our main floor, we have three seating areas. So now like I host a get together with over 45 women and I'm able to do that. I'm able to bless people and bring them in. If you're trying to convince somebody of the kingdom, it's a lost cause. It's experience. Once you experience it, there's a knowing, and that really changes that really changes the whole dynamic because people become excited about it. The Bible tells us to wake all you sleeper. People are asleep and they don't know it. They don't know, they don't know there's more. They don't know that there's an excitement. They don't know that there's this power within them that could propel them. Jesus said it himself, he says, greater things you will do, greater things. But yet, we're, you know, for the most part, many people just stand around and are, are, are dumbfounded. Like when they see something happen, they think, wow, wasn't that great for them? But that law applies to everyone. Yeah. This kingdom law is a real deal. It doesn't just apply to us. This applies to everyone. And anybody who's willing to just kind of dig your heels in, so to speak, and just and plant yourself in it and say, I, I can't go anywhere else. I refuse to believe in anything else. And that's where it comes from. I am a child of God. He's put me here to be prosperous, to live a life of fullness, to help people understand that really when you change your mind and your mindset, that everything else can change with it. The kingdom works and it works every single time. It's not flawed. God is not some power that you can only access if you're give enough or if you're good enough or it, it doesn't care. God is not, he's not impartial to anyone, you know, he's not a respecter of persons. This is something that everybody has access to. You just have to ask without doubt believing you received it, and you have it. We hope you were inspired by this session of Your Financial Revolution. For more helpful resources, call or visit GaryCasey.com. This is your financial revolution. Here's Gary. Did you enjoy that tonight? I know I did. My goodness. That was so, so good. I tell you, there is nothing like hearing the word of God and hearing it preached and then the Lord confirming it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's nothing like him confirming it. And so I'm just so grateful uh, that we have testimonies. And I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you as we walk through this together as a church family, when something happens in your life uh, that is a testimony of you, you know, working the plan, working in co cooperation with God, you giving God jurisdiction in your finances, and something happens, be sure to tell us. Be sure that you testify, because the more you give voice to the goodness of God, the more you testify, the more you're going to see, because it comes from a heart of gratefulness, doesn't it? When we testify of his goodness and what he's doing in our lives, it comes from us being so gratefulness, and a heart of gratefulness attracts more good stuff. Amen? Glory to God. So tonight we're going to give. Uh, if you would like to participate in giving, you can do so. Uh, you'll see it right there on your screen. Uh, you can uh, just follow that link or, or type to PushPay if you don't have that app on your phone. Uh, we are grateful for the opportunity to give, and, and that's the first step, isn't it? That's really where it all starts. That's the way we let God in our finances. We let him come in into our finances when we begin to give and put that law in motion. That's, that's how it all begins. That's how it starts. We can do all the financial planning. We can get our plans. We can work our plans. We can do all that. But if we are not giving, we're not going to get very far. 
we're not going to get very far down the road because that's the law. That's how it works. And so thank God for the opportunities that we have to give and sow into the kingdom of God. And we, I as your pastor, appreciate your faithful giving. We have faithful givers in this church, and we are so thankful for each and every one of you. So let's go before the Lord tonight and just give. Remember, uh, don't just give if this is your offering. Don't just give it and throw it in there or hit the buttons and let push pay do its thing. Name your seed. Speak to your seed and, and, and expect a return. Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We don't have to give. We get to give. And we thank you that we are working this law, Father God. We are working the law of seed time and harvest, giving and receiving. And we thank you. We give you the right and the jurisdiction in our lives in the area of our finances, Father God. We open our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal to us steps that we need to take. What's the next step concerning our finances? If we need clients, if we need a business, I thank you, Father, that you're sending that to us, showing us how to up-level ourselves and our business so, so people will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Father God. We give you praise and honor. If it's a raise we need, a promotion, whatever it is, you'll show us the next step to take. If it's a new job, you'll lead us right to it. Oh, Father, we thank you. If it's how to learn how to save, <laughs> give us the grace to save and not spend. You've got that wisdom for us as well. And so we receive it all from you, and you give it willingly. We give honor and glory to you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, a reminder on Sunday is Family Sunday, so please wear your family t-shirts. Wear your shirts uh, on Sunday. It's the fifth Sunday. Everybody will be in service on that day. After service, we're going to have a barbecue right outside. It's going to be catered. It's going to be real nice. Uh, the weather's supposed to be absolutely gorgeous, so we're looking forward to it. We're going to be praying over the students who are going back to school, whether they're young or old, and so I am looking forward to Sunday. So come and be a part in person at 10 a.m. if you can. If you can't, we'll see you online. You will miss probably the barbecue, though, because we can't send that through <laughs> Facebook. And so come and be a part in person if you can. Glory to God. Also, we're planning an event. We have several things coming up. We'll have more announcements on Sundays, but I just want to seed this to you. Uh, right during the holiday season, right before it starts, I believe it's November the 27th. It's a Saturday. We are planning on uh, getting together and going going to see A Christmas Carol, the play at the Trinity Rep in Providence. If you're interested in doing that, we're going to find out what the interest is. We'll take a bus down there all together, and we'll just enjoy uh, a play, kick off the holiday season together as a church family. If you are interested, look for a sign-up sheet on the information table with pricing, because there will be a cost uh, per person, uh, and also we, we could go to eat afterwards. It's, it's up to what everybody wants to do, but uh, just uh, be be on the lookout this Sunday or next. We need to make sure we get a count ahead of time and a deposit, but just wanted to seed that out to you. I think it will be a great time. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Glory to God. Have a great evening.